It is an honor to stand here amongst my fellow brothers and sisters who had faith to come this morning. So thank you all, because I needed this. We all needed this. And let's pray together. Abba Father, we are so grateful that we live in Juneau, Alaska. We are so grateful that you have provided for all of our needs. And we know that just like you provide for the birds in the air, how much more important are we to you than the birds? And so we just thank you for your provision. We thank you for your blessing upon this church, upon our city, and upon our state and our nation. And we just lift up our president, Donald J. Trump. Father, he, you have put him in the place that he's in to lead our country. So we just speak blessing over him, wisdom into his mind and into his cabinet and his office. May your angels just surround him with the plans that you have written for our country. May they be released from your throne room. We thank you that he declared this as a day of prayer. So as Nathaniel spoke earlier, we curse the coronavirus. We rebuke it in Jesus' name. We command it to leave our country. We command it off of our globe in Jesus' name. So we just thank you for what you are doing right now. We speak blessing over this building and over our lives, and particularly over our capital city, Juneau, Alaska. May you protect us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Wow. Thank you, Leah. I just, I sense uh, uh, just an amazing presence. And uh, I just know God has something really good for us, folks. Something really good, not just for us, but for our community, for for people in our city. And uh, it's no, no coincidence, but the title of the message today is Faith Not Fear. <laughs> but it's not all just about that. <laughs> but Dini, a couple, a couple of days ago, <clears throat> we were standing in our kitchen like we do many times, standing in our kitchen. And uh, she suddenly just said, what would it look like if people responded to faith the way that they're moved by fear? If people would move in faith the way that they're, they're, they, they are moved in fear. And when she said that, immediately it was like, oh, that's powerful. One of those moments, Kairos, Kairos moments. And... Uh, and as I, I began to process this a little bit, I came up with sort of the way fear and faith are alike and the way that they're not alike, all right? Fear, believing something negative we cannot see and acting upon it. Faith, believing something positive we cannot see and acting on it. Fear, generally leads us to take to hoard something. By the way, I think as a church we should start giving out toilet paper to visitors. Who knows? They would come from all around. <clears throat> Who knew that toilet paper was the cure-all? 
While fear tends to hoard, to take and to hoard, faith generally leads to give and to release, right? Fear often leads to panic, but faith leads to peace and joy. Woo. Fear causes an unpleasant and often uncontrollable emotion where faith causes us to be calm. Faith, fear leads to doubt and unbelief, but faith leads to trusting in God. Fear leads to disobedience, but faith leads to obedience to God. Fear causes people to trust their perceptions, but faith causes people to trust in God and God's word. Fear focuses on breakdown. Faith focuses on breakthrough. Amen? Fear causes us to focus upon the negative while faith causes us to focus on the positive because God's a positive God. Fear opens doors of oppression. Let me repeat that. Fear opens doors of oppression, oppression of the enemy. But faith draws upon God's provision. Faith prepares for the worst desolation, but faith prepares for the best visitation. We're not looking for the desolation. We're looking for the visitation of God in the midst of us. I'm not saying we don't prepare. I'm not saying that we just ignore all of these other things, but we use wisdom and don't allow it to overtake and become more than it should be. The Bible states 366 times, fear not or be not afraid. 366 times. That's one for every day of the week and then one extra. Paul told Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Amen? But that of love and that of power and that of self-control, sound mind, self-control. And 1 John 4, 18 says, there's no fear in love. That's a, that's a revelation in itself, isn't it? There's no fear in love. But perfect love or complete love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made complete or perfect in love. So there's a revelation of love that will set you free from fear. And I want you to see the power of partnership in Philippians, the first chapter, verses 3 through 8. Because this sets up for three very important points I want to talk to you about this morning. Paul said, my prayers for you are full of praise to God as I give him thanks for you with great joy. I'm so grateful for our union and our enduring partnership. I like that word partnership. I think I like it better than membership. I like partnership. It's powerful. See, a, part, a, a partnership implies that there's, there's a giving both ways. An enduring partnership that began the first time I presented the gospel to you, the gospel. I pray with great faith for you. Because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you. And will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of the Lord Jesus. And the, in New King James, it's 
that he who began a good work will complete it in you unto the day of Jesus Christ. See, God, what God started in you, he's not going to leave unfinished. He's going to finish it. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Amen? Goes on to say, it's no wonder I pray with such confidence since you have a permanent place in my heart. You have remained partners with me in the wonderful grace of God. Even though I'm here in chains, he was chained in prison, I'm, I'm here in chains for standing up for the truth of the gospel. The chains that Paul had, they were not ornate chains, they were actual chains. <laughs> for the truth of the gospel, he said, only God knows how much I dearly love you with the tender affection of Jesus, the anointed one. So this is the setup. He's talking to his partners who he preached to, who they came into the kingdom of God under Paul the apostle, and they became partners with him. Do you know this is one of the joyous letters in the New Testament? But I want to talk to you about love that brings revelation. Not only does it cast out fear, which is an amazing thing, but it brings revelation. He went on to say in verse number 9, I continue to pray for your love to grow and increase beyond measure, bringing you into a rich revelation of spiritual insight in all things. Paul is saying that with love abounding, there comes the ability to have revelation and give us spiritual insight. So it's love abounding that brings us into this rich revelation you know, love doesn't really make sense to people that don't understand God. Powerful, right? <laughs> A lady was talking about someone that she met. She said, I, when I first met Thelma Wells, I didn't like her. She seemed too good to be true. Thelma's a successful speaker. She's funny. She's always laughing. She's saying spiritual things. This lady said the more she talked, the phonier she seemed. I couldn't relate to this nonstop, happy, religious person who cracked jokes, shook her hands in the air, and turned problems into comedy routines. When we first met, I was slogging through a painful divorce. Thelma didn't understand real life. Everything always went well for her, or so I thought. Then one day, Thelma and I both spoke at the same conference. And for the first time, I heard Thelma's story. As I listened, my love for her took root. Thelma's teenage parents never married. Thelma never knew how it was to have a mother smothering her with kisses or reading to her or telling her how much she loved her. My mother was uh, severely, she had severe physical disabilities, and uh, Thelma said she couldn't raise me. I vaguely remember seeing my father, and he, and he came and visited on a couple of occasions, but then that stopped, and I never saw him again. Thelma didn't know her father's family at all. Thelma's mother's father lived in a, a tiny room, and he worked, so he 
He couldn't raise her. He loved her, but so he asked his parents to raise her. So that would be the great-grandparents, right? And they agreed, but Thelma's great-grandmother resented her and actually treated her very cruelly. In the morning after her husband left for the day, Thelma's great-grandmother would force Thelma into a dark closet. Thelma stayed locked up until right before her great-grandfather returned at night. Can you imagine as a child? You know what it is in the dark. Amazingly, Thelma survived. But, you know, you add to that this evil old woman that that threatened her and the loneliness that she experienced. I mean, it's amazing that she survived, but she didn't only learn to survive, she learned to thrive. I wouldn't wish this on anyone, but she said every Sunday my my great-grandfather took me to church where I learned hymns. I loved music, she said, and, and the only music I knew came from church. So while I was in the closet... I didn't have anything to do, she, she recalls, so I just sang. She said, I don't remember feeling angry or scared. She told this to her friend recently. When I was locked up, I sang hymns until I fell asleep. See, I, I didn't know it then, but I was worshiping. And do you know, I don't even remember feeling angry at my great-grandmother. That's a miracle. In fact, I didn't realize that until I was in my 30s that what she did to me was absolute child abuse. But when I sang those hymns, I felt happy. And the words from those songs helped build my faith. Thelma said, I, I had to care for my great-grandmother when she got old. And I put her in the closet. No. <laughs> no. She said, I had, to, I had to take care of my great-grandmother when she got old. She hated me until her dying day. She never thanked me. She said mean things to, the, to me to the very end. But because of my faith, I was able to show love to her. I can honestly say that while I cared for her, I felt joy. How many of you know that's amazing love? And secondly, not only does love actually bring the the revelation to us, but It gives us insight to choose what's excellent. In Philippians 1.10, Paul said, this will enable you to choose. This love that brings you discernment and insight will help you to choose the most excellent way of all, becoming pure and without offense until the unveiling of Christ. I like the way the New Living Translation says it. Paul says, for I want you to understand what really matters. You know, when I read that earlier in the week, that just caught me. I want you to understand what really matters, what really matters, what really matters. I know what really matters. 
It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's the love of God flowing in you and through you. It's you being a witness of Christ and what he's done. For I want you to understand what really matters. Got to understand the context of the situation. Paul's in chains in prison. Within a year or two of the writing of Philippians, Nero came to be well known as his job was to torture Christians, execute them. His economic and and political policies were failing, and, and Nero had to find someone to blame for the great fire that hit Rome. And because Trump was not available, he had to go for the Christians there at that time. And so he rounded up the Christians, and he ordered that these Christians be tied to stakes, dipped in pitch, and burned alive to light up his racetrack. Christians burning. Now, while this didn't take place for a year or two after Paul wrote this, the persecution was still intense. And, the, and, and it would have been unthinkable for people in the household of Nero to actually be believers and confess in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I got news for you. Paul was contagious. He had been infected with the good news, and he was totally and completely contagious. And wherever he went, people got saved. Everywhere he went, people got healed. Everywhere that he went, people got set free because he was infected with the gospel of Jesus. That's a great infection, folks. You want that infection. You want to be contagious of that. You want to be contagious with the good news to people around you. Paul said this, I want you to know, dear ones, what has happened to me has not hindered, <laughs> has not hindered, but helped my ministry of preaching the gospel, causing it to expand and to spread to many people. We got to get this guy in prison. He's going to get too many people saved. So what happens? People in prison start getting saved and their friends and their colleagues get saved. Why? Because he's He's contagious. We're so concerned right now about not being around anyone contagious, and rightly so. But I want us to see today that there's a desirable type of being contagious, and that's with the gospel. He said, but it's helped the, my ministry of preaching the gospel, causing it to expand <laughs> and to spread to many people. For now the elite Roman guards and government officials overseeing my imprisonment have plainly recognized that I am here because of my love for the anointed one. And what I'm going through has actually caused many brethren to become even more courageous in the Lord and to be bold and passionate and to preach the word of God all because of my chains. So what people would look and say, oh, isn't that terrible? Paul is saying, no, it's absolutely amazing. Because my suffering is producing something amazing. 
But what I really love, what I really love about this, I love the closing of the book of Philippians because he says, all the brothers and sisters in Christ that are here with me send loving greetings, especially the converts from Caesar's household. See, Paul's mentality was not, oh, poor me, I'm chained to this guard. Paul's mentality was, no, this guard is chained to me. <laughs> and I have a, a captive preaching audience, and he, he, he can't go anywhere. He can't go anywhere because he's going to hear the word. Not only that, he's going to hear Paul praying. He, the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit was all over Paul, and it was getting all over the guard, and pretty soon the guards get saved, and then they go out and get their other people saved. You know, I used to... And, and my wife will attest to this, and unfortunately, I actually did this on our honeymoon. I, I regret it to this day. But I picked up a hitchhiker when we were on our way to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, on our honeymoon. So I could I, so I'd have a captive audience and build a witness to this guy. I used to do that. I used to pick up hitchhikers so I could just witness to them, and they couldn't go anywhere because I'd go fast enough that they couldn't jump out. I don't do that anymore so much. <laughs> but I love the fact that Paul really saw what mattered the most. Church, do we see what matters the most? Oh, that our faith life and our love life would become more and more contagious, infecting more and more people for the gospel. In uh, Philippians, the thirdly, what happened? They were filled with good works. He said this, you'll be completely, you'll be filled completely with the fruits of righteousness that are found in Jesus. Now, that would be, part of that would be the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those things, you know, definitely we're, are the product of righteousness, the fruit of the Spirit flowing in our life. So if you realize that you, you suddenly become very irritated, that's probably a slippage. You need to get off of that and get into to love. And it could actually, many say it's really like a, a coal in love, and in, in the midst of love there's joy, there's peace, there's patience, there's kindness, there's goodness, that the, all those things flow out of love. Ephesians 2.10 said, we are God's masterpiece. That's what Paul said. We're his masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So he has ordained things for us to do, good things for us to do, good works to do, even before the foundation of the world. Sometimes we have to, we have to discipline ourselves at times. We really do. Many people just want to do just what they please and what's convenient. And I don't want to have to go out of my way. And so often we're just like, oh, we just don't want you to go out of your way. But can I tell you, you and I, we need to go out of our way. We need to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying and go out of our way and be used of God, be vessels of God. You see, you can take a... a a train off the tracks and it's free, suddenly free. There's a problem. It can't go anywhere. 
A lot of people want to have total autonomy, do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it. There are times when you've got to stay on the track in order to go someplace. Oh, the steering wheel gets in my way in the car. It's just right there in front of me. Take the steering wheel out. Guess what? You're free of the steering wheel, but you have no control over the car. And what good is a beautiful car without a steering wheel? Right? It's useless. The reality is that until the sailor disciplines himself to be obedient to the compass and the charts, he has to stay with land in view. But if he will demonstrate proficiency, well, he could have GPS too, with uh, the compass and the charts, he can go wherever he wants to go, anywhere in the world. Anywhere. But discipline is the missing ingredients that can make a difference in our lives. Some people, they want to have it both ways. One guy um, named Fred discovered the blessing of gratitude when he went golfing with a friend. I tell you, there's nothing as beautiful as a golf course on a beautiful, sunny day. There's something about a golf course. Some of you are going like, oh, I don't want to hear about golf. I'm, just, I'm not going to talk about golf. But, uh, but Fred and his friend, uh, they strolled along this lush course and, and lined with these sweetly scented branches and bushes and under the, the cobalt blue sky and some puffy, a few puffy clouds out there. And, and Fred's friend said something. He said, I'm an atheist. He said, the hard part about not believing in God is that on a gorgeous day like this, I have no one to thank. You ever thought of that before? We have a God that we can thank for every good and perfect thing in our life. Everything that's right in our life, we can thank God for that. Yeah. And you know, when facing dark days, I like what Nathaniel said. He said, you know, the light shines that much brighter. And that's the truth. That's the truth. I... I, uh, I prayed a prayer in Synod this week, and uh, I'm, I'm going to read it to you this morning. Donnie, Senator Olson was there. Lord, thank you for this day. Actually, I think you came in late, Senator. So this is just for you. <laughs> that was the first time I've ever seen you late. Lord, I just, I just outed Senator, but he came in right, right after that. He's okay. Are you okay, Senator? Appreciate you, man. Lord, thank you for today, for this day, and for your mercies that are new every morning. In the words of the psalmist, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him, for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. Lord, thank you for your protection and for your peace and the joy that gives us hope. In the midst of changing circumstances, thank you 
that you offer us stability, stamina, and strength. Lord, I ask for your protection, wisdom, and guidance for the Senate, the staff, their families today. In the midst of all the precautionary measures and with the fear and the closures around our nation, give us your help and your wisdom. In your name I pray. Amen. You know, I, in all the time, all the times I've been to the Senate and the House and done the prayers, I have never had a senator give me a piece of paper with a note on it. I got one. And it wasn't Senator Olson. <laughs> it, said, it said this, Mike, that was the perfect prayer for today, exactly what I needed. And then he signed his name. And it was not a person that I would have thought would have been thanking me for a prayer. We never know who needs to hear what you have to say. We never know how that one word or one phrase could actually change the trajectory of someone's life. Not just their day, not just their month, but their life. Because of something that you say. Something that you say. I'm so thankful for a president who addresses the crisis at hand, doing all that he can do, but realizes that there's one that can only bring the, the total solution, and that is God Almighty. That is the Alpha and the Omega. That is the Amen. That is the apostle of our confession. That's the first and the last, the firstborn from the dead. Hallelujah. King over all. And I close today with this this passage in Matthew 14 through 16. Your lives light up the world. This is in, in the, the Passion Translation. Your lives light up the world. Church, your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance, for how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in some obscure place? Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things you do will shine as light upon them and, and they will give their praise to your heavenly heaven, Father in heaven. <laughs> They'll give it your praise. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me this morning? You know, from the beginning of this service, I felt there was just this oil. <laughs> I felt like the oil of the Holy Spirit was flowing down upon us. felt that in worship. I, I felt that several times as I was speaking. I just felt there's just an oil that God has anointed us with, a fresh oil. The psalmist David said, anoint me with fresh oil. You anoint my head with oil. What happens? My, my brimming cup runs over. My cup runs over. I don't know if your cup has been running over lately. But today, you could have your cup run over. By just really having a revelation of God's love for you today. How much he loves you. How special, how precious you are to him.
give you insight in what's best. What's best. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you're, if you're, if you just say, you know what, I, I really am open. I, I want to receive something from the Lord today. If, I want more. I want more. Just lift your hand, or lift your hands. We're going to pray right now. You see, that's me. Yeah, that's me. Thank you, Lord. God, we just thank you for a fresh anointing today. We thank you that you anoint our head with oil, the oil of the Holy Spirit upon us. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. We thank you today for your spirit. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for your joy. We thank you for life today. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, and you're just thinking, what in the world? And I just tell you, you can just say, Jesus, come into my life, just right where you are. I believe that you were raised from the dead, right where you're standing, right where you're standing. God has drawn you into his presence. The Bible says that we stand before him holy, unblameable, unreprovable in his sight, without a single fault. That's how he sees us, because we're in Christ. If you want to know that you're forgiven, know that if you're a believer, you're born again, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. Receive your forgiveness. Receive eternal life. Father, this day, we just thank you for all those that have raised hands, saying, Lord, fill me afresh. If there's been fear, again, just say in Jesus' name, God, you've not, you've not given me a spirit of fear. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but that of love and of power and of a sound mind, and I take authority over fear in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, because God has called us to be over and not under. Somebody says, but I'm under the circumstances. Get out from underneath the circumstances. God is greater. God, we praise you for that today. We glorify your name. We thank you, Lord God, for solutions where they maybe have not been apparent, but that you'll begin to give solutions, God. Even in the process, you'll give life and strength and, and vitality and grace, God, so that we can go through everything that we go through, that we go through it with joy. We go through it with peace, not fear, not fear, faith, not fear, positive, not negative, hope, not despair. Courage, not discouraged. Strength, not weakness. Built up, not torn down. Fearless, not fretful. Prayerful, not anxious. Bold, not timid. Bold, not timid in Jesus' name. Everything. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And we glorify you. And we thank you for your people, God, that were strong. We're strong in the Lord this day. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Can we give Jesus just a big praise right now? Let's give him a praise this morning. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Have an awesome, awesome week. Remember, Next week, starting on Monday the 23rd, 
join us for a fast, all right? And you'll, you'll feast in the spirit. <laughs> God bless you.